Listener Production. I didn't want his sympathy as a father. I wanted him to use his power as Prime Minister. I wanted him to wield the weight of his office and drive change in the party and our parliament and out into the country. I'm not interested in words anymore. I want to see action. Yeah, powerful words there from former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins. She was addressing the National Press Club in Canberra yesterday along with Grace Tame before a sold-out audience of journalists and politicians, although not the Prime Minister. He was called out by both women for not doing enough to address sexual assault in his own workplace. His language last year was shocking and at times admittedly a bit offensive. But his words wouldn't matter if his actions had measured up, then or since. That was Brittany again there. Grace Tame went even further. She said that she received a phone call in August last year from a senior member of a government-funded organisation asking her not to say anything damning about the Prime Minister during the Australian of the Year Awards. You're an influential person. He'll have a fear, they said. What kind of fear, I asked myself. And then I heard the words, you know, with an election coming soon. And it crystallised. A fear. A fear for himself and no one else. A fear that he might lose his position, or more to the point, his power. Yes, Scott Morrison is sliding in the polls already. So in today's briefing, we're asking how much should he be afraid of, as Grace says, losing his position and power? A little bit later in the show, I'm going to be joined by political journalist Amy Ramikas. She's also the author of On Reckoning to Discuss That. I am Jan Fran. But first, the big stories of today with Tom Tilley. Yes, hello, Jan. It is Wednesday, the 10th of February. And our first headline comes out of yesterday's speech. The government says it's investigating Grace Tame's allegation of political interference. I received a threatening phone call from a senior member of a government-funded organisation asking for my word that I wouldn't say anything damning about the Prime Minister. Yes, so the Prime Minister's office says that Scott Morrison only became aware of that allegation during the speech, which as you heard, was happening yesterday at the National Press Club. Um, Women's Safety Minister Anne Rushton also denied that she knew anything about the call. Obviously, it is an unacceptable thing for any agency that is funded by government to be seeking to do that. The National Australia Day Council has also denied that they were behind the call. And Grace Tame has responded to news of the government's investigation into this call, saying in a tweet, it's the same embedded structural silencing culture that drove the call in the first place and misses the point entirely. So they're sick of the government investigating itself, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame were very critical of Scott Morrison, and I wholly was not surprised to see that because there has been misstep after misstep from the coalition on the issue of women's mm. safety, not just in Canberra, but um, but right across Australia. And they have been angry and passionate about this issue from the very beginning, from early last year when Grace became Australian of the Year and when Brittany went public with her story. And frankly, that anger hasn't dissipated. I don't think Scott Morrison needed to be so defensive about this back in the first place. That was his natural posture to get on the back foot and then suddenly find some empathy when he spoke to his own family about it. But responding as a father is just like the baseline human response. Mm. Exactly like Brittany Higgins says, he had a position to do something about this, to actually turn this into an opportunity to make positive change. He said, 
this is absolutely unacceptable and highlights what we need to do mm. here in Parliament House and across society. But he hasn't played it like that and he's become the enemy of a movement that's actually so important and could bring so much positive change as these two women have fought to do. Yeah, I think Brittany clarified it perfectly when she said, I don't want you to act as the father, I yeah. want you to act as the Prime Minister. And women around the nation went, exactly. That's exactly what we're thinking. Yeah, more on that in your interview with Amy Ramikas, who is the journo that um, schooled Peter Van Onslen on the project recently, so you might have seen her there. And staying in Canberra, and the federal government's contentious religious discrimination bill has passed through the House of Representatives, and this is in a vote that happened at 4am this morning. So just as our alarms were going <laughs> off to record the briefing... <laughs> we're not the only ones at work. That makes me feel a little bit better. So the politics are very interesting. Labor supported the religious discrimination bill, but they managed to win a key amendment that protects trans students from being expelled from religious schools. And that win on the amendment for Labor was only possible because several Liberals, five in total, crossed the floor to support the amendment to the Sex Discrimination Act. Yeah, now the Liberals um, who broke party lines and crossed the floor were Bridget Archer, Trent Zimmerman, Fiona Martin, Katie Allen and Dave Sharma. That's sort of the moderate faction of the Liberal Party there. And they had always raised concerns about this bill from the beginning. Um, it'll now proceed to the Senate where Labor's going to try and pass further amendments to protect gay and transgender students, and also to scale back proposed protections for something called the Religious Statement of Belief, which is uh, basically protections that protect religious statements, even if they offend or insult or humiliate others based on their protected attributes. So trying to scale that back in the Senate is what Labor wants to do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the Senate, but I think what's happened in the House of Representatives will bring a sigh of relief for almost everyone involved, this has been such a tricky piece of legislation, um, first promised back in 2018. And so for those Liberals who cross the floor, I think that'll send the message they want to send to their electorates, which are more progressive. Mm -hmm. For Labor, they couldn't reject the whole religious discrimination bill because they need to play to the big suburban seats with uh, lots of Christians and also migrant communities from other religions. And the Liberals have finally been able to come good on this promise. So I feel like everyone slowly found their, their place, which is um, politically expedient for them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the Senate. And spies cracking into your Tinder profile. That's right, the Australian spy agency ASIO is warning that foreign spies are using dating apps such as Tinder, Bumble and Hinge to get sensitive info from Aussies. On any of the popular social media or internet platforms, they make seemingly innocuous approaches, such as a job offer. They then progress this to direct messaging or different encrypted platforms or in-person meetings before a recruitment pitch is made. That's Mike Burgess, who's the Director General of ASIO. I mean, if you've seen James Bond, there's a lot of dating involved in the spy world. This doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I don't know if James Bond is the perfect uh, analogy for they what's happening here. didn't have Tinder here. back in uh, Roger Moore's days, did they? <laughs> no, I don't think Sean Connery was on the apps either, <laughs> just quietly. Uh, the director also spoke, though, about a foiled foreign interference plot that Mike Burgess says was trying to bankroll vulnerable political candidates to try and get sympathetic MPs elected to parliament at the next federal election. He didn't name the country or countries involved in the plot, though. Or the vulnerable political candidates. Mm. I'd love to know who they were. Yeah, not a lot of info given there. The other interesting thing is that he said that espionage and foreign interference has actually surpassed terrorism for the first time as the agency's primary concern. Yeah, well, that reminds me of the middle of last decade where 
all of these annual warnings from ASIO were all about Islamic extremists. Mm. Um, so now we're hearing about spies cracking into your Tinder profile and, and foreign interference. Yeah, and what's also interesting is the increasing number of children, so those under 18, that are embracing extremism. So minors represented about 2 to 3% of counterterrorism investigations just a few years ago, and now they make up 15%. Yeah, and also lots of fears about um, far-right um, radicalisation mm. through these channels as well. And, hey, there's some good news if you're into electric vehicles. Uh, not so much if you're an Australian into electric vehicles, though. An Aussie electric vehicle startup called Tridium is setting up shop in the USA. Mm. So it's caught the attention of Joe Biden, the US president. He welcomed the news of this new plant from Tridium in Tennessee, um, it's going to make 30,000 electric vehicle fast charges a year and create 500 jobs in America. This is great news for workers across the country, for an economy, and frankly, for the planet. So that was Joe Biden there. Here's Tritium CEO, Jane Hunter. A seismic technology change is on foot here. Electric cars, vans, buses, aircrafts, boats. These are the future of transportation. Now, you might be uh, wondering why this company has decided not to create a manufacturing plant in Australia. The short answer, this is according to Tritium, is that uh, there's a real lack of government incentives. And they also point out that, sadly, Australia has one of the worst electric vehicle mm. uptakes in the world. So why would they build a plant here? Yeah, they, they do have a smaller factory in Brisbane. But yeah, this larger factory would have been so great to have it here. Um, especially after our car manufacturing industry has been decimated over the last few decades. Mm. And it really casts a bit of shade on the government's pitch as a leader in, in jobs and innovation here in Australia. Yeah, just to give you a quick comparison, um, electric cars represent about 1.9% of the light vehicle market in Australia, whereas in the US, Joe Biden wants to set a very ambitious target for half of the new vehicles being sold in the US by 2030 to become electric or plug-in hybrids. That's huge. And a Canadian truck envoy protesting pandemic restrictions and mask mandates has cut off a vital trade route to the US, sparking fears of economic disruption. Yeah, the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, though, says he's refusing to bow to pressure. We're going to continue to follow the science. We're going to continue to have Canadians' backs. We're going to continue to protect people's lives. So the convoy is blocking the Ambassador Bridge, which is the busiest land border connection in North America. It's responsible for nearly 30% of trade between the US and Canada. It connects the American city of Detroit, and then you go across the water to the Canadian city of Windsor, if you can get there. Yeah, so there is a trickle of traffic that can get through from the Canadian side, but the US to Canada route is completely cut off. Now, this so-called Freedom Convoy, it's what they're calling themselves, It's it's been around for over two weeks. It's caused massive disruptions in the Canadian capital, Ottawa, with truckers blocking roads and staging nightly protests. Yeah, and it's inspired a similar protest, although smaller in Canberra. Um, that's gone on for over a week now, as well. And there are fears that the mostly peaceful protests so far could get ugly as they head into the weekend. And we know they got pretty ugly in Melbourne, these kinds of protests. Indeed. All right, let's head on over to Canberra with Guardian journalist Amy Ramikas to talk about those press club speeches. In just 12 short months, We've collectively shifted the dial towards survivor voices. We have 
amplified lived experience to unprecedented levels and in doing so, restored courage and hope back to a previously disempowered community. You see me here standing tall, if a little bit broken. <laughs> standing on the shoulders of giants, side by side with Brittany, side by side with all of you. Together, making change, making history, but above all else, making noise. Powerful speeches from Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins at the National Press Club in Canberra. Let's talk a little bit about how it all went down yesterday. Amy Ramikis is a political journalist at The Guardian. She's also the author of On Reckoning. And she joins me now. Amy, what do you make of Grace and Brittany's speeches yesterday? They were just so incredibly powerful. And the National Press Club is a space which holds speeches from incredibly influential and powerful people all the time. But I don't think it has seen a speech quite like the one that we saw from Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins together. It just really spoke of the moment. And these were two women who just no longer cared what people thought of them and were just going to stand up there and say exactly what they think. And because of that, it was just so powerful. I mean, lots of high-profile people speak at the National Press Club. Not a lot of people, though, speak to a full house or have a speech that's as highly anticipated. I mean, people want to hear from both of these women. They're profiled continuously, they're commented on, they're pulled apart. Why do you think that they have resonated in this way? I think it's because they have something to say that is so important and they're going to keep saying it no matter how many people try to make them be quiet. And they can articulate that sort of anger and rage, but also just the desire for action just really, really well. I think it's also because their stories are shocking. What happened to Grace Tame is absolutely shocking and heartbreaking. And yet here she is, she is dynamic, she's funny, she can come out and articulate her points in a way that has everybody listening. And it's the same for Brittany Higgins. She also managed to articulate her story in a way that people just couldn't turn away from. I think after the year that we'd had beforehand where these issues had been raised by female politicians. There was also issues raised in other parliaments from Chelsea Potter and Dani Marnie where they were just really starting to say, this is an issue, we need to address what is happening to women in this country. And then Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame came along just at that moment and it kind of exploded. Both Grace and Brittany were critical of Scott Morrison and his government. He has been under fire for a number of issues, including his mishandling of the pandemic. He is slipping in the polls. How much do you think this will hurt him? It's been a very difficult year for Scott Morrison because I don't think he's managed to get it right at all. He doesn't seem to know what the right thing is to do or to say. And we've seen that several times. He didn't meet with the women who did the March for Justice last year, for example. And then when he spoke about it in Parliament, basically saying, aren't you glad you don't get shot in this country when you come and protest these sorts of issues, which people rightly responded to saying, what are you saying? Why would you say that? It's been very, very difficult for him to find the right line. 
he did an apology in the parliament where he said sorry for all of the things that have happened to women, the harassment, the bullying, the abuse, where he apologised to Brittany Higgins. But then he didn't attend the speech because he said that he was too busy. And again, there's a group of people who were just like, why? Why wouldn't you just go to the speech and just listen? That's also because there's a huge part of the Australian voting public who also find these conversations really uncomfortable and kind of want to switch off from them. And I think Scott Morrison is appealing to those people. So how he comes off is really going to depend on which side of the fence you sit on this issue, whether you agree with the people who are demanding action and accountability or whether you think that we need to just calm it all down and then just go away for a while and, and keep it quiet. Scott Morrison, I think, is betting on a group of voters who were saying, oh, look, we are uncomfortable with this and we'd like to move on from it. Let's talk about voters because there is an election coming up. Grace talked about the Prime Minister having this fear that she would say something damning about him ahead of the election. I mean, how scared should he be that what Ms Higgins and Ms Tame have been saying may sway the vote? It's not something that can be quantified at this point, but there is an undercurrent of anger that has not gone away. And there are still a lot of people, a lot of Liberal voters as well, people that you'd think of as traditional Liberal voters, who were just kind of flabbergasted at this sort of reaction from the Prime Minister and the government. The government is hoping that it's addressing it by putting through all of the recommendations from a report that the Sex Discrimination Commissioner Kate Jenkins issued to the Parliament. She looked into the harassment and bullying and, and assault allegations and came up with a report with a whole bunch of recommendations, which the government has said, okay, yes, we're going to uh, address it. We're going to implement those recommendations. So they think that they've apologised now, they're putting through the recommendations and that they can start to move on from it. Where it's going to be damaging is the the people who have stopped listening to Scott Morrison or the people who continue to listen to people like Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins and just don't think that enough has been done. And there is a huge group of those people that Scott Morrison probably can't reach at the moment. But then it depends are these people going to vote based on one issue? And that's the other thing that the government is kind of calculating at the moment. How much will this matter to them? And at the moment, I don't think that they can quite put their finger on how much of an impact it's going to have come election day, which will probably be sometime in May. Amy, when Grace Tame first became Australian of the Year and when Brittany Higgins went public with her alleged rape in Parliament last year, um, it was sort of hard to know where it was all going to go. But since that time, their voices have gotten louder and stronger. There have more. But since that time, their voices have gotten louder and stronger. More voices have joined that chorus, including yourself. Why did, why did you decide to speak out about your sexual assault? I'd spoken about my sexual assaults before. I'm a, I'm a rape survivor and I have written about it before in terms of how we view the men, and it is largely men, who carry out acts of gendered violence against women. Men, of course, are also victims uh, and survivors themselves, but when we're talking about this particular piece of gendered violence, men tend to be the perpetrators. And I'd written about how it's men, not monsters, despite the fact that we like to think of anyone who could carry out one of these acts as being a monster, because it's a monstrous act. But by and large, they're just everyday guys that we know. When I was watching 
everything unfold last year and continue to unfold, I just was really just taken aback by how much our leaders just flubbed it. They absolutely just missed the moment. They did not know how to respond. In fact, they just made it worse. And this isn't something that's new. And I couldn't understand why they weren't actually seizing the moment and saying, yes, we want to make Australia safe for everyone. We want to take these issues seriously. We're going to actually do something to address it. Grace Tame in her speech at the National Press Club was talking about how apologies and all of the statements that we've had around this issue are lovely and welcome, but they're just words. Brittany Higgins said much the same thing, that the apology is encouraging and it's important, but again, it's just words. And without actual action, it doesn't matter. And that's what I was thinking. Like all of last year, everyone was just kind of calling out for action. And it was the one thing that was missing. There was this buildup of rage, but there was nowhere where the government went, okay, here's what we're going to do to address this. And I just found that really, really, really disheartening because I think if there's one thing that government should do, it's respond to what the population wants and the population clearly wants action on this issue. Where do you see this reckoning going? It's a really interesting question because you're right, the anger hasn't gone away. In fact, it's probably just grown, as you said, and that's because we have just seen misstep after misstep after misstep. And we've just seen a bunch of people inject themselves into the conversation with just some rather ridiculous things to say. And people are just not in the mood to hear that any longer. People want actual action. So the government does think that it's delivering that, at least in terms of the parliament. But of course, Australia isn't just the parliament. This isn't something that's just happening in the corridors of power. This is something that impacts people's daily lives. And I think that's where the real sticking point is, because it's not just about parliamentary staffers and what is happening to them. It's about what is happening to children, vulnerable people and women across this country every single day. And that's what Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins have been talking about. And that's what has become the real big flashpoint, I think, for this issue because people are saying, what are you doing to make Australia safer for us? And at the moment, the government doesn't have a huge answer on that. It has put forward a lot of headline figures about what it's doing in terms of funding more legal aid for domestic violence cases and trying to come up with some financial solutions for people who might be in a violent relationship and are looking to leave. But we haven't actually seen a lot of delivery in those areas. And that's what people are starting to talk about. We had a big women summit where they were talking about safety and what could be done to address, but they didn't include enough diversity of voices. You know, you had a lot of Indigenous women and women of colour come forward and just be like, we have done a lot of work in this space. Why is there not room for us in the table? Why are you not hearing from us? Then, of course, we have this strategy that the government is looking to put out, but they're only putting it out for two weeks consultation, which again, people are like, that is not enough, especially when you consider the integrity commission that the government's been talking about since the last election has been out for consultation for months and months and months. Mm. So it becomes an issue of priorities, I think. And that's going to be what weighs on people's minds as we get closer to the election. And that's going to be, I think, where the calls get louder. That was Amy Ramikas, a political journalist at The Guardian and the author of On Reckoning. Uh, It's always hard to know, it's hard to predict elections, 
But certainly the issue of sexual assault, sexual harassment, not just in Canberra but right across Australia, I don't think anyone can call it a flash in the pan, that's for sure. I think it's been a massive issue in this past year and I don't think it's going to go away. And how it'll sway the election, as Amy said, difficult to tell and I don't think it's going to be going away. And that is the show for today. Tomorrow we are heading over to Canada to find out more about that convoy of truckers blocking roads in the Canadian capital, Ottawa. What are they doing and how long is it going to last? Listener.